What is up, everyone? Welcome to episode four of Dread and Drafts, the podcast where we discuss all things fear while we drink and review all things beer. I am John, and with me, as always, are my co-hostesses with the co-hostesses, Jen. Hello. And Annie. Heyo. Sit in with us as we unlock this door with the key of imagination. And let the midnight special shine the light on me as we cross over into Twilight Zone. The movie. All right, so first things up on the list, as always, who is drinking what this lovely evening? I'll go first. I am drinking a delightful Oktoberfest from our Shea, uh, which is brewed down in Akron. Um, just a really nice Martzen. Um, I really enjoy the brewery in general. I haven't had a bad beer from them ever, um, so I would highly recommend picking this up if you have the opportunity. Uh, and I am drinking Downey Splend, uh, their pumpkin blend. So this is a, a cider place, and they're kind of known for doing unfiltered ciders. Um, and they actually are gluten-free, too, for those of you out there that sadly cannot tolerate gluten. So this one is an unfiltered blend of apples, pumpkin, and chai spices. And it is really, really refreshing. Um, nice little fall one. Uh, John and I actually had this at our wedding as one of our beers. So It was really good. All right, and then myself, I am drinking a Bone Up Brewing Company based out of Everett, Massachusetts, um, Blood Built Dry Stout. So this one is absolutely fantastic, and uh, it was it was a birthday beer um, from Annie. Um, she went to Boston and brought me back beer. So, yay! Absolutely, that's all for beer. <laughs> all right, so as we do, as we. Uh, have been doing for the past few episodes i like to pose questions oh my favorite it's always everyone's favorite i'm anxious uh, <laughs> uh so also uh listeners this goes out to you so if you follow us on any of our social medias or you can you know send us an email whatever you choose to do and let us know your uh your choice to any of these questions that i pose in any of the episodes starting at, I believe it was episode two is when yeah. we first started doing these. The first one was kind of just more of an intro. So with this being Twilight Zone, and I like to do, you know, I, I wanted to try to pose a question that would really make you guys think. And I know how much you guys love thinking right on the spot. It's so hard. Like, <laughs> So you have Twilight Zone. And everyone knows, I mean, it could go in many different ways, except for a very few things. Twilight Zone always ends on more so a poor note. So you can you can take anything you need to, any happenstance that could possibly happen in your lives, and anything could happen, but in the long run it ends on a poor note. A downer. Ooh, okay. So what would you take what event would happen um but then in the long run it still ends on a downer well that's just kind of a half-baked question because you don't want anything to end on a downer i don't want anything to end that's on a twilight downer. zone i know but <laughs> all right so like um uh what was that that movie going to white castle where they were going to white castle harold and kumar yeah, yeah. great movie one two it was a terrible movie and dumb, but I liked it. Anyway. That movie makes me crave White Castle. I know. Now I'm now I'm hungry again. <laughs> Even though I just had a delightful pork roast for dinner. Anyway. Um, 
so I think that if I had to choose something to go poorly, I think it would be something that I was really looking forward to on a low level, like a sandwich. Um, which, I mean, I would still be really <laughs> upset because you know how I feel about sandwiches. Yeah, absolutely. I feel the same way. Oh. So, like, I mean, you went... You went for the path of food. So, like, how would your, like, would you just be like, man, I'm really craving this. And then in the long run, you wind up just not getting that. Is that your downfall? It would either have to be, like, not getting it at all. Like, arriving there, like, at a Quiznos and, like, it's closed down, never to reopen. And you can't get your delightful toasted Italian sandwich with a so broccoli <laughs> cheddar soup alongside. This sounds like a real problem right really now. Really specific problem first world problem yes. it, it really is it really is but i would prefer to have a problem related to food that i can recover from and you know potentially i have a granola bar sad but you know sustaining that's fair um rather than some big life event like you know say my entire marriage imploded or you know that that would be a downer for sure but sandwiches i can recover from all right so Sandwiches. And, uh, Jen? Oh, hard to follow up from a sandwich. I feel like my life is like Murphy's Law as it is. and I feel That's like, why I call you Murphy. I, well, yeah, I mean, I really should live in a bubble. Uh, but I feel like, I don't know, I feel like multiple things could definitely go wrong at any given time. Obviously, none of them that I would want. But... I don't know. The first thing that comes to mind is like allergy testing. Like, okay. so I get my allergy testing. I go through and I do all the allergy shots and stuff like that to try to get better and whatnot. And then boom, I find out that I'm like allergic to gluten or, or beer. beer. Yes. And then I would be really sad. I'd be crying. Uh, that I feel like that would be something that would happen to me. Yeah. That's your luck. Yeah. <laughs> so, it? After all this time, like, oh, I have all these allergies. I'm trying to fix it. I'm trying to get shots and, and you know, build up that immunity to those allergies. And then, boom, I can't eat gluten. And I would be sad. So, sandwiches and, and, and beer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. These I are, mean, I see, are, I could real too, because then I just go to scotch. That's that's fair. Yeah. All right. So, for, uh, for both of you and for all of our listeners... This is what I wanted. <laughs> so for me personally, I hope eventually something happens to where like everything in my life, in everyone's life around me, you know, I like I just somehow come into a shit ton of money. I take care of everybody. Everybody is set for the rest of their fucking lives. I'm able to go do every single thing I possibly wanted to do. And I make it to, uh, you know, old age and I'm coming home from a trip in my private jet because I'm going to have one if I become super stupid rich and I die in a plane crash. So. Because that is the shit that happens in Twilight Zone. Yeah. You get so much money but usually and you are it, just having such a blast, having a great time, and then you die. But usually it's not like, oh, you get to live like through your prime and. Fine. Fuck it. I win. The money goes in the bank and then I die personally. What if he's listening to the numbers being read off and, like, it gets to the last number and he's like, oh my gosh, I won! And then I die heart of a attack. heart attack. And then a car comes in through the front of the house. And, like, and then Jen, Jen, you, then Jen and Flynn get all the money and I died. I, I mean, Worth shit, it. it. It totally could happen. Like, Worth it. A lady 
around here actually did that to a restaurant recently. Like, what? Yeah. Oh, yeah. She was, I think, super drunk. And then oh, drove. I thought it was the winning the lottery. She, no, no, she no, no, was no, no, upset because no. they didn't have any sandwiches. And so she drove into the restaurant. <laughs> Quiznos! No! Damn it, Quiznos! Actually, we were on the way down to Florida a couple weeks ago um, for our family trip, and we stopped at a Quiznos. Quiznos is still a thing? It really wasn't. It was okay. like an off-brand Quiznos. Okay. And they didn't have the sandwich Called I Quiznots. wanted. Called Quiznots. It was Quiznots. <laughs> Thank you, John. <laughs> so that's what I would do. I win the lottery and I die. Okay, your answer probably makes more sense than ours. No. No, Jen. <laughs> I stand by my sandwiches. I mean, just think about it. I went like Twilight Zone. Like the one guy, all he wanted to do in that one, in that one very famous Twilight Zone episode they turned into a movie all he wanted to do was have peace and quiet and read his books and then he's the last person on earth and then he had all the peace and quiet and all the books he could want and they fucking his glasses break and he can no longer read it that actually is really sad books on tape just go into a store and there's no electricity no audible what if well, he could go to a museum, right? And he robs the museum of their phonograph, and he's like, mm-hmm. "How many? How many books are on are on record?" I feel like he could figure it out. He's got all the time in the world. I mean, I have, Star- no, I have Stardust on record. No one to distract him. That's fair. I think I have Hound of the Baskervilles on a on a record. Come to think. Of but it. the problem is, is with him not having his glasses, like everything is a blurry, absolute. Fuck fest, like especially if his eyes are like yours. I know that's what I'm saying. <laughs> but I can still read like real up. Close. Oh wow, that's comfortable. All the time in the world. Squint. Next page. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean that—that's my life when I go to bed. <laughs> I don't see a problem with it, John. <laughs> All right. Well, then you'd be able to survive that Twilight fine. Zone right there. I wouldn't have sandwiches, but. Oh. But you'd have books you'd really have books. close to your fucking really? face. <laughs> I mean, if you knew how to bake, you could, you know, bake some bread. Yeah. Kind of like the witch. Like, they, they bake lots of... Right, but, you know, I think if we're still talking about sandwiches, the issue would not necessarily be the bread. It would be, like, the processed meats, like mortadella or, like, salami. So then just go slaughter a cow. Learn how to butcher it yourself. Are, are salamis then... made out of cows, John? Does it matter? I, it does a little no, bit. No, meat's meat. <laughs> if you're if you're if you're the last person on earth and all you want is a fucking sandwich, and you somehow are able to harvest wheat and process it harvest. and make it into bread, and then at the same time, you are gonna find a way through hell or high water to get your damn sandwich meats. Yeah. I mean, or you could do the moldy corn method and hallucinate a bunch. So throw back to episode one, everybody. Yep. Yep. Hashtag the the witch, the witch, the witch. Hashtag baby oil. Oh, no. What shirt are you wearing right now, by the way, John? Oh, I'm wearing my other birthday present that Annie got me. It's my Krampus shirt. Uh, and on it, it says, my neck, my back, my naughty children's sack. And <laughs> I saw this, fuck, probably close to a year ago. And I sent it to uh, Jen and Annie. And I was laughing my ass off because if anybody knows me, uh, Krampus is one of my all-time favorite things in this entire world. So eventually we will be getting also to do the Krampus movie. Oh, yes. Because I'm super stoked for that, Eventually, too. yeah. Um, 
so yeah, uh, so hopping into this, uh, we do have a little bit of a new segment uh, that we are going to start doing, and it is of the three of us until we start having, uh, you know, our listeners respond with ideas for movies that they would like us to to watch and review. Um, until then, starting at this uh, episode and further, um, whoever amongst the three of us chose this movie, because that is how we've been doing it so far... We are going to get into a little segment as to why you chose this movie, and then we'll hop into the review itself. So on this one, Twilight Zone the movie, 1983, Jen, why did you choose this movie? Because this was her choice. All right, so I have always liked this movie since I was a kid. I don't think the other two had actually seen it until now. Nope. Um, I, I It was something that me and my dad used to watch whatnot. And then I kind of learned some of the dark history behind it also, which we'll get into. Um, and I thought it was really relevant. And actually, even before current events, whatnot, uh, I, you know, I just thought it was very interesting. And then even today, just while we're filming, like makes it v- much more relevant uh, as to some of the things going on in the world today. So, Absolutely amazing, Jen. You chose Twilight Zone, and you forced us to watch it. That's how it was. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I mean, the same could be said of, of some of our other picks, too. Like, I don't know that you would have watched... Event Horizon on my own? Deep Impact. 100%. No. <laughs> Listen, depends on what Deep Impact we're talking about. Oh, uh, um, but no, the Twilight the Zone... Space. Listen, in the long run, I still enjoyed Event Horizon. Uh, it was a movie. It, sh- it allowed me to shut my brain off for... You know, what an hour and a half. Uh, Does that happen? I didn't think that actually happened. No, I don't. To a point. <laughs> to a point. I shut. I closed some of the tunnels. That is my brain. Just so it was going down a few extra ones. But I still focused on the movie. Uh, and then the same thing with Twilight Zone. Um, and getting into that, we're gonna do one more little tiny thing, just because of one of our one of our listeners, one of our best friends, wants us to do this. To all of our listeners, if we forget to do this in any further episodes. At the beginning, we apologize, but fucking spoiler alert. <laughs> Why is that so important to Paul? I don't understand. Because Paul doesn't want anybody to be upset and listen to this and have the movie ruined for them. Paul, I love you, but if you haven't watched The Twilight Zone since 1983, um, yeah. I mean, it is a given that we are going to be spoiling the fuck out of movies but if we do do any, any, ha, you said do. That's why I giggled. Uh, any l- more modern movies closer to now? That's fair. Uh, then we don't want. I mean, you know, we don't want anybody's movie uh, watching experience ruined. So if we do forget to say it in any episodes, everybody, it is a hefty fucking spoiler alert for every one of our episodes. If you haven't seen this movie as of right now, and you want to watch this episode. Spoiler alert, we're going to literally ruin start to finish of this movie for you. And if you do want to go watch this movie, I suggest you hit pause, go watch this movie, and come back to us. Fantastic, you're still listening. And with that, we are going to hop on into our review of The Twilight Zone. I, I hate you both. All right, so this, uh, I, honestly, the prologue of this movie. So we have the prologue, and then we have, I believe, four segements four of this movie. So the prologue of this movie is probably one of my favorite parts. It's super short, 
just open your beer. You don't have to. Don't be afraid. Everyone wants to hear it. Which which is it, Jen? It is the Puff Tart XL. Uh, so it is mandarin, raspberry, and banana. It is a sour ale, uh, and it's got some marshmallow flavoring in there, too. Uh, we have had one of these before in one of our other shows. Uh, Regular bre- Puff Tart. The Brewing Project, yes. Uh, and this is one that is like one of the super cloudy, unfiltered ones. It, you know, it tasted like a pie in a glass. It was so good, and this uh, looks oh, real I'm, similar. It literally does. It looks, folks, this beer right here. It looks like a glass of just toxic sludge, but oh. it tastes or, you absolutely know, amazing. A smoothie, you know that also. Fruit smoothie, not toxic sludge. But for this beer, it is meant to look like this. It's meant to be cloudy. It's meant to be just have stuff floating on in it. But uh, these things are absolutely always fantastic. Mm. And that is wonderful. It legit tastes like a fruit smoothie. A yeah, fruit smoothie, that is yes. so good. So the Brewing Project Puff Tart XL, folks, go try that. And super cute artwork, by the way. Like, it looks like little marshmallow lettering and little smiley face fruit in the background like what it's you would adorable. do in like uh like middle school oh hell yeah it's really cute adorbs so the prologue of this though oh boy here we go on a movie <laughs> what's a movie <laughs> uh, um it's just a lot of fun it's a really short little intro before the twilight zone movie intro hits um and you have two men just driving in a car and it's just like a dark country road late at night uh and they start talking like they do like but like music trivia and stuff amongst themselves. Uh, can you guess this? And they start like humming tunes or something like that. I believe is it mm-hmm. they're humming it. Well, they were they were they, they were, were singing along to Midnight Special, and then yes. his tape got eaten mm-hmm. in the deck. And that you know everyone knows what a tragedy that is. They didn't have a pencil handy to you know to wind, wind it up. For those of you who actually have seen a tape in person and are old enough, live live through a that. cassette tape, not a VHS or a Betamax tape. Yeah. Which were used for watching movies back when we were children. <laughs> a cassette tape played music. It came after record players and around the same time as eight tracks. What are those? Look it up. <laughs> uh, anyways, you kind of get the get the feeling that these guys don't really know each other. They're like, you know, the one might be a hitchhiker or something like that. See, that's what I thought. I thought that. So the the driver is Albert Brooks, and the passenger is none other than a young Dan Aykroyd. Super, super young. (laughs) Very young. And so eventually the conversation turns into what episodes of The Twilight Zone they found the most scary. Uh, And then they go back and forth for a bit, and then the passenger, Dan Aykroyd, looks at the driver and says, Do you want to see something really scary? And tells him to pull over. Safety first. Always. Like, oh, no, yeah, you definitely want to pull over for this. And he's like, Albert Brooks is just kind of like, okay, fine. Mm -hmm. Like, he doesn't really believe him. And so they pull over, and Dan Aykroyd just turns into this fucking monster. Like a panther monster. Like Yeah. Well, it makes the sound of a panther monster, but he really doesn't. It's more like an alien-type creature thing. And then he just eats Albert Brooks. Just fucking devours. Oh, he ate him. The car was shaking a lot. It was shaking, but maybe they maybe were they just... weren't. Maybe he was eating him, but maybe not they eating were him. Oh, aggressively. Mouth hugging. Uh, snuggling with their faces. Hot. 
So that does it. It was was at this point, you know, I'm watching this for the first time with John. And, you know, I'm introducing him to this. And he's like, what the fuck am I watching? Did you you feel my psychic what the fuck from a distance? I feel like I did. That's probably why she was like more like... Like, she's, like, on the edge of her chair with just bated breath watching me to see what I thought of this first thing. And, like, <laughs> like it was fun, but at the same time, literally, I was like, the fuck am I watching? And then, like, I, and I think at the same time, like, your energy hit mine, and we both just smacked her together with it. And she was just like, aww. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I do, folks. Like, there are many movies out there that I try to introduce to people. And mostly they're like, what the fuck am I watching? Like the lost skeleton of Cadavra. That was delightful. Most, the, pe- most people that watch it, though, are like, what the hell is or this? Or the, the Midnight Skater. Oh, Midnight Skater, yes. <laughs> no one except for people who are in that fucking movie are going to know what the Midnight Skater is. <laughs> there was one pharmacist that I worked with that actually knew it. So Did they go to Kent State? He went to OSU, and I guess they had like sh- midnight showings of like local movies oh, okay. and stuff. So. But yeah, he knew it and he liked it, so and I was ecstatic that he actually knew what it was. So nice. and I knew one of the actors that was in the movie, so it was The Midnight Skater, not Twilight Zone. Yes, yes, the Midnight Skater. Um yeah, and it was just cheesy wonderfulness. But anyways, so, all right, so the first, I do that all the time. The first segment, um, it is entitled A Quality of Mercy. Jen, would you like to take this one? Because I know this is probably one of your more favorite ones of this movie. Yeah. Um, I also thought it was called Time Out was the name of it. Oh, you're, you're correct. Uh, it was actually a rework of an episode called The Quality of Mercy. Gotcha, so apologies. Gotcha. So Time Out was the name of this one. So this one follows William Connor, played by Vic Morrow. And he basically, he's a super angry, racist, sexist. Uh, he's bigot. an asshole. Yeah, super asshole. Uh, ends up going into a bar to meet his friends for a drink and you know he's bitching and you know everything and because he didn't get a promotion and he literally is throwing out every derogatory term in the dictionary that anything you can think of and his friends are kind of telling him calm down calm down people at the bar just looking at him weird um like oh my god what the hell is this guy on about yeah because he i mean he mainly hits with jewish black and asian people little slurs against them um and there's a uh, group of black people sitting at the table like right behind him and the dude's just like you know hey man like knock it off so he kind of quiets down for a split second before he gets louder and louder with more shit and then of course he's the it's the whole i'm an american damn it and <laughs> just offending everyone near and far it was uh, like all he was missing was a maga red hat and it, w- it would have been a d- today's day and age of what's going on so yeah. still even though he lost um so you know kind of seeing that and everybody in the bar is even getting annoyed with him and it, it, it at this point you're like oh my god i hate this guy so much it kind of makes what happens next a little bit more relatable um, so, you know, he goes to walk out of the bar and even the group behind, uh, his friends, the, the, uh, black guys say, you know, Hey, I'm real sorry about your boy, man. Um, I took it as a, you know, I'm sorry you have to deal with that 
crap type deal, but there's... But John and I both felt like maybe... That black man was a genie or something because... they knew what was going to happen. Of what's going to happen next to this guy. not, not having ever watched it before and only watching it the two times through, like, I'm not sure if that was the intent or if it was just you know, left kind of open. Like, he could have been just like, hey, I'm sorry, you're friends with an asshole. Or it could have been more of a, hey, I'm sorry, but it had to happen. Exactly. And so that had to happen. So Bill leaves the bar super pissed off. And he he finds that he's no longer on the street outside the bar anymore. Mm -hmm. He is now in Nazi-occupied France during World War II. And, I mean, there... I think this is when I was like, this is amazing. Because, like, there's no, like, just shitty, like, you know, German accents. It's straight fucking German. Mm-hmm. Like, with the subtitles and stuff. But, there, like, there's no... And then for... And French as well. There's no just terrible, you know, accents. It's straight French and German I in thought, this scene. I thought that part was very well done. Because yes. it adds to the disorientation of both the viewer and... Um, and Bill, Bill plus also it. with the all the people he runs into the so the first the uh, the two uh, SS officers that were patrolling the street, you know they're speaking German to him. He can't speak German, and he's like, "What the hell are you guys on about?" And yeah. it's like trying. They're looking for his papers, and, and like, "What? It's a visa. What? You don't you get it?" Um, because they, they're like, "What the hell is this?" Basically, mm-hmm. um, looking through his wallet, and then. Basically, kind of getting in an altercation. He's running from them. He gets shot once. Um, and he makes it into like a, I think in like an apartment building. Correct. And he goes in, and this is where he runs into like a French family, and um, the eventually like he's trying to get them to calm down, but eventually the woman runs to the window and like alerts the SS officers. So not just the two that were out on the street, but like a clusterfuck more of them. Well, yeah, and, you know, she was, you could tell she was terrified. Oh, yeah. Because she was a single mother with her children. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I honestly, it was kind of brave of her because she just... He could, I mean, had he not just been Bill and he had been someone else, yeah. he could have killed all of them right then and there. Yeah. But, yeah, absolutely. You know, she calls for them, which probably also took a lot, too, because she's a French person and you have these Germans occupying your entire fucking country. And so she's like, hey, Please. Germans, come on up here and save me. Yeah. She, she's just not looking for trouble, I think. Yeah. So he kind of goes out onto the ledge of the apartment building. Um, and he's constantly getting shot at by all the officers down below. And as he kind of falls off the ledge, he falls basically into the dirt, and it basically cuts into another scene where he's mistaken. People are thinking he's a black man. He's it's with the, the KKK. South during like the 1950s, yeah. and he's surrounded by the Klan. And they're trying to to hang him. Yep. Uh, and of course, they're looking at you know, oh, where'd you get this watch? Oh, you probably stole it, and you know everything. So he's kind of getting a taste of his own medicine with the whole racism thing. Um. I found it hilarious because he ends up, you know, fighting back in this and pushes one of the members into one of the burning crosses and the member catches on fire. <laughs> I, I kind of found that funny. I yep, was like, take that mm-hmm. racism. <laughs> yes, you burn. You deserve it. Anyways, um, so then he's, you know, kind of running from them. The dogs are chasing after him. He ends up running and diving into the water. And when he pops back up, he's in Vietnam. Yep. So, in the jungle during the Vietnam War, 
he's kind of going along, whatnot, and he sees all these soldiers. And, you know, he had proclaimed in the beginning of, oh, I, you know, I fought for, for us in the Vietnam War and blah, blah, blah. And, um, you know, I, I'm an American. I deserve respect, whatnot. And so he sees these soldiers and he's thinking, oh, shit, I'm saved. And he runs out and he's like, hey, I'm one of you. I'm, I'm one of you. And, and they, they see him as one of the Vietnamese people. Yes, and they start shooting at him. I absolutely fucking hate this scene when they're shooting because he is one direction. And they're shooting in they all They are directions. shooting in every direction. Real bullets, too. 100% real bullets. What a stupid choice. That was John Landis. Um, yeah. But we'll get into why John Landis made some really piss-poor decisions in this movie. Um, so, And then one of these soldiers chucks a grenade at him when he dives, and then when he dives underwater, uh, and instead of killing him, the grenade launches him right back into Nazi-occupied Nazi France. Uh, and he's captured by SS officers, and he's thrown onto one of the railroad freight cars. And he looks, you know, looks behind him, and there are a bunch of Jewish prisoners, obviously bound for one of the concentration camps. And he's looking through like the slats on the side of the car, and he sees the bar, and his friends are coming outside of the bar, looking for him, seeing his car just kind of parked there. Yeah, and he's yelling for them, and obviously they don't see him. Yeah, can't see as, him, can't hear him, the train pulls away. and the train pulls away, and it ends. And for that, like, that ending, I was like, fucking what you deserve, you asshole. Like, and that's the whole thing, is like, that's, you know, it really should have been called Just Desserts. Like, that's literally what <laughs> Bill got. He got his Just Desserts because he's a piece of shit. However, <clears throat> the actor Vic Morrow, with this, because there was a different scene that was recorded. There's a different original ending yes um and vic morrow got something that he did not deserve and jen is going to get into that one this is why jen picked part of the reason you picked this the whole reason i picked this was film safety in general so you know we already kind of mentioned that in that scene with the soldiers that they are firing real bullets and john landis wanted that um he he insisted on that because uh, he really wanted to cut down all the the plants and the foliage, and he wanted it to look real. Um, so literally, when Vic Morrow dives out of the way, you know he dives out of the way. They start shooting, and real bullets. Not very safe, especially considering today's standards. Uh, but originally, during this scene, he was supposed to kind of maybe come to a realization, like, oh, maybe he's had some error in his ways. He was supposed to be running through a Vietnamese town and see a couple of Vietnamese orphans and try to save them while these helicopters were chasing after him. Uh, he didn't want them to get hurt. And that was originally what the ending was supposed to be, that mm -hmm. he saw these kids, he realized maybe he made a mistake and that he, you know, really wanted to save these kids. Kind of uh, like a redemption arc. And, I, you know, I yeah. honestly as a first time viewer was kind of expecting that because we cycled through France and uh, the South and Vietnam and then we cycled back to Germany and you could see that there was tending towards realization when he made eye contact with the other people in the train car that yes. he was starting to realize what was happening and that maybe he was in the wrong, um, mm -hmm. you know, casting all these slurs around. So I think it does make sense that maybe they would have cycled through again mm -hmm. and ended in Vietnam. But being kind of what it was, they cut the scene with the children because with 
John Landis's planning and stuff, he kind of very much was reckless and really negated a lot of film safety things. He wanted huge explosions. They had built this whole village for it, uh, and, and like the building set director whatnot was building things. Uh, and you can actually see kind of some background info in uh, the show called Cursed Films on Shudder. They kind of go over this a little bit. So basically, John Landis, because he wanted extra explosions and things like that, he put things in the building set that weren't supposed to be there. They found out he put extra explosions. During the testing, even, uh, the helicopter was flying over and, you know, everybody's saying, ah, you're sure this is safe? You know, that's a lot of, a lot of stuff and the helicopter's flying pretty low. And he's like, ah, yeah, you ain't seen nothing yet. This is going to be great. Uh, he just wanted the good film, basically. During the actual scene, though, so Vic Morrow's is running through the water with these kids while they're filming. All these explosions are going off. It brings the helicopter down. And the helicopter cuts Vic and the kids down and kills them. Uh, I believe it also injured slash killed the pilots as well. It didn't. It did. The, no, the the pilots did not die were, from that. They were injured. But Vic and the two uh, children did yeah. get sliced in half from the rotors. Well, and the sad thing is too. So John Landis had bypassed a lot of safety things with filming with kids, because originally, you know, he wanted to have these kids filming late, whatnot. Well, you know, it's kind of against. It's against the law. Against the law. It's, it's child labor laws, and they weren't allowed to film after a certain time. And he's filming at like 1, 2 o'clock in the morning with these kids. And so he bypassed a lot of safety things there as well. Sadly, um, you know, the kids' parents were there to watch the whole thing. And they were kind of fooled into saying, oh, yeah, this is okay. The kids are perfectly safe and whatnot. And unfortunately, had had to see this happen. To their kids but yeah so it was awful you know he bypassed so many safety things just for the sake of the movie and put a lot of people through a lot of shit that they didn't have to the film set director i think got a lot of the blame for it and i don't think he, ever... he, lo- he, he basically lost his this is like the first set that he was gonna was gonna make him a big film set direct you know film set you know director yeah. and whatnot and he took a chunk of the blame didn't really have much to do in Hollywood after that. No. Well, John Landis, even though he went to court, he still wound up getting away with like a fucking slap on the wrist going, naughty, naughty John. Like, Yeah, and that's really the unfortunate thing, too. Um, so Vic, during shooting, thought it was kind of dangerous and demanding as well, and but he did it against his better judgment. Um, and John had ended up going to the funerals of both the kids and Vic, and the cocky son of a bitch during Vic's funeral said, oh, well, he'll be immortalized in film. Because that's exactly what the, the family of Vic wanted to hear, is that, oh, yeah, well, he died doing this film and he'll be immortalized that yeah, way. Yeah, what a, what a way for uh, the family to remember Vic is by watching a movie and then, rem- oh, yeah, this is the movie why he died. But yeah, ultimately, Landis was found not guilty of manslaughter because... You know, they kind of said, oh, you can't really predict accidents when accidents are going to happen. Uh, you know, you think about stuntmen getting hurt, things like that. You can't really predict that, so you can't necessarily say that it was manslaughter. Uh, so he got off scot-free. 
But, uh, you know, it directly led to the Directors Guild of America being uh, establishing a safety committee after this. So, I mean, there was recognition in the field that things needed to be done. Although, honestly, uh, as recent events show, you know, it might not have been enough and there's never enough oversight. Um, you know, we were talking before we started recording about the recent death on the um, set of Rust where a uh, prop gun was um, discharged by Alec Baldwin and a cinematographer was killed and the director was injured. Uh, I believe her name was Helena Hutchins. But yeah, they, you know, it, it just goes to show you there's never too much safety. And, you know, right now it kind of feels like anytime something happens is when a new memo goes out, a new rule is put in place. But it's 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 too late for these families. It's too late uh, for the people who are injured or killed. One of the last times we talked about this movie, um, you also brought up the crow. Yep, Brandon yeah. Lee. Yeah, Brandon um, Lee was it was a prop gun as well, and the gun went off, and a piece of like the the wadding. The, yeah. yeah, the wad. It, it just it yeah. basically shot, and it lodged itself, and you know, in his I think it's spine or near his spine, and he wound up dying from it. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's the thing. Uh, it just goes to show you that like, there's no such thing as ever being too safe. And that's why these safety precautions happen, you know, and sometimes people, they think like, it'll be all right. It'll be fine. Like if I just hurry up and get this done. And so it comes down to like everybody, like producers, directors, prop people, everybody, you know, stuntmen, everyone needs to slow the fuck down. Stop pre- being pressured for the time and shit. Like that needs to be the most thing is the safety and like I feel like the time should never be an issue. Like time and like <sighs> commitment to a director's vision. Like mm-hmm. if something feels unsafe, if you see something that looks unsafe, say something. Yep, absolutely. Um, Just because know. it's some big name director or big name producer that is saying, "Hey, we need to do this." It doesn't. No, it'll be fine. Or well, it doesn't matter. We need to get this done. Mm-mm. There's no no. You cannot rush safety. You and if something like that happens, you know that person needs to be called out, and that person. You know, needs to you know needs to you know lose their job, and I don't care who the fuck it is, director, producer, whomever. Like you're gonna be like that, and you're gonna rush the safety. You could you are putting people's lives at risk. Well, then you know, fuck you, lose your job. Yeah, lose your job and lose your name. Like you're never gonna be a famous person again, because you're you know people are gonna find out that that's how you are. Unfortunately, John Landis was, um, you know, with the success of Animal House and Beverly Blues Brothers. Yeah, Bev- yeah. Unfortunately, John Landis was uh, yep. was able to go on and achieve. But no, well, that's because many of... other people on that movie that did not get to. Yeah, and in reality, I feel like more people. It was also a big chunk of the fact that like people didn't want to go against John Landis yeah. and stand up for the right thing because it's like, oh, it's John Landis. He's a big name in Hollywood. Well, doesn't mean shit. Maybe not even so much that. You know, it was you know it was John Landis, but I, I feel like, uh, and I was just reading an article earlier. It says most workers are legally barred from suing. Um, so those, those people who do witness something or who have experienced something, they may have signed, you know, a, a non-disclosure agreement or something to mm-hmm. that effect. Or folks, read your contracts. Yeah, well, not that I've ever experienced a contract really, but hey, I'm just saying, read everything before you sign it. So, um, shall we get into segment two, a little bit of a happier one for yes. the Twilight Zone movie? Yes. 
bring up everyone's uh, spirits a little bit as you pour some more spirits over there, Jen. Um, so segment two, uh, it's another remake of a Twilight Zone episode, and this one is the remake of Kick the Can. This one, honestly, is my favorite of the segments in this movie. It's definitely, so, you know, we talked about the usually ending on a poor note, whereas this one ends on a happy note. Um, I don't know. It's just a really fun segment. I liked it a lot. I liked it as well, and, and more so because Scatman Carruthers was the main character in it. And if anybody has ever seen The Shining, uh, Scatman Carruthers is the, um, I think he's like what the caretaker yeah. of the Outlook, uh, the black man that uh, connects with um, Danny. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's such a good role for him in this movie. I, it was a lot of fun to watch. Um, so his name is Mr. Bloom, and he's just moved to the Sunnyvale Retirement Home. And they're kind of sitting around in like their day room, their living room. They're getting a lecture on nutrition and vitamin supplements, which, I mean, sounds utterly really fun. Boring. I'm a pharmacist, and I think that's boring. Um, anyways. I work in dietary at a nursing facility, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so you kind of see some of the characters that we have there. So we have Mr. and Mrs. Weinstein. Uh, we have Mrs. Dempsey, who is like the cutest little old lady. Uh, Mr. Agi or G? I think it's a G is how you pronounce that. Either way. Yeah. Mr. Uh, and then you have um, Leo Conroy. Uh, so you see him out kind of with his bags, talking to his son, hoping to go visit his son. And you see them kind of leave him. Um, and, you know, it's it's sad. He was hoping to go visit. And they say, oh, maybe, maybe next week. Maybe next week. They're just stringing him along. And I think that was really hurtful. Like, every every week, you know, the, the people inside are talking about him as he's outside, kind of getting turned down by his son. But, you know, they're saying every, every week he goes out there, he packs a bag, and his son says, maybe next week, maybe next week. And that's just awful. Yeah, it's not just in writing in a movie, though, folks. That shit actually does happen. It does. First-hand experience right here with working in a nursing home that happens all the time and it's sad and people may come to visit but they you know their family wants to go out and do stuff with them it's rare i mean and this is like i'm talking like pre-covid stuff it's rare you know you do have some family members that are there daily spending time with their loved ones but nine times out of ten they get no visitors they get no phone calls they are just there if i had that point just Shoot me and bury me at the backyard. You got it. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> That's love there, Annie. I'm going to be calling you, Jen. We do safety checks when you're 90. Safety checks. She won't even know what the hell a phone is when she's 90. I'm looking at you, John. <laughs> you think I'm going to be alive at 90? You'll pull out lip, John. I don't know. It's, it's debatable. Probably. Mostly women usually outlive men. Well, just statistically. Statistically, yeah. I don't want to fucking make it to 90 and just be... You never, you never go to the doctor, so... Yeah. That, that would probably be... Anyway, these or folks be the reason did I make, make it, it to 90. 90 and then more. These folks made it. They're getting the lecture on nutrition. But yeah, so you kind of see Leo come back in and you see he's kind of like the negative one because of everything. Um... And Mr. Bloom's kind of talking to them about, you know, hey, you know, playing and, you know, you're never told to play. And what were your favorite games? And, you know, all the all the people are getting excited talking about younger days and things like that. And 
uh, Leo's just like, meh, like, uh, they need their rest, like, they're too old to play. And one of my favorite lines is, uh, Mr. Weinstein is like, ah, you're already frozen, popsicle head. Actually, I mean, one of my favorite lines is when, you know, Bloom is, you know, telling them when they're all saying, like, they're old, they can't do stuff anymore. And he's like, you know, being old should not and need not prevent you from enjoying life. And I, like, 100% agree with that and the simple fact that, like, just because you grow older, it doesn't mean you have to grow up. Yeah. It's when you start growing up and that's when you become a cynic towards everything in life. Like me. Like like Annie. <laughs> like Annie. Halfway like me. Yeah. We still have fun. Yeah, we still have fun. But we also adult things, unfortunately. Meh. So John would be well anyway, let's let's finish. Oh no 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 let's let's pause this. No, John would be John would be the guy who stays young. He's the Peter Pan character and all that. Oh one hundred percent. One hundred percent. And we'll get into that in a few seconds. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, one hundred percent that would be me. Um but yeah, so basically then, you know, they're kind of splitting up whatnot and you know, he's saying, oh, my game used to be Kick the Can. Maybe if we play a game of Kick the Can, we can just get a little bit of that magic back. Um, so all the residents are like, yeah, yeah, let's meet Kick up later tonight. Sounds Except great. for Mr. Conroy. So, yeah, Mr. Conroy is like, meh. He's like, I'm an old douchebag. I'm going to sleep. <laughs> but, like, Kick the Can. What is that game? I don't know. It's a fun game from their youth. This is early... Yeah, 1980s. I apologize. So it is a fun game from their youth. They didn't. They. I mean, they didn't have the shit that we had as kids. No, they had a makeup game. Yeah, kick the can. Hitting each other with sticking, sticks sticking is a far better game than kick the can. So is throwing fucking dirt clods at each other. Like anything is better than kicking a can. I think. Possibly, maybe not. I don't know. I've I've, I've never played kick the can, so I couldn't tell you. Maybe it's the most invigorating game ever. We'll have to try it sometime. We will we have will. to now. You can. I will. I'll play hit each other with sticks. We'll Fine. Yeah. I'll play kick the can at you while you're hitting someone else with a stick. Jokes jokes on you. The Jokes. can's still full. <laughs> peas. Why did it have to be peas? Oh. It wouldn't be beer. No. I'd be drinking right, that right. can. That can would be empty. Yes. <laughs> So they go out, they start playing. You start hearing them saying, you know, Ollie, Ollie, Oxen Freed and, and whatnot. And then all of a sudden you start hearing their voices get higher, higher pitched. And you start hearing them become younger while they're playing. And they are the childhood versions of themselves. And oh dear Lord, are they so freaking adorable. They are. Like Mrs. Dempsey, so freaking cute. She still has her rollers. She in. does. I know. She- and she still got a little robe. But yeah, so... You know, you kind of get to see some of their different personalities. Mr. I'm, I'm going to pronounce it again. Aggie. 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 Maybe. Anyway. The hot one. I, the, the, the guy, that, the guy that missed sex. The British one. Yeah, that one. The British some, guy. Wanted some, wanted some sex, yes. Uh, <laughs> wanted all the sex. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he is at a nursing home. They get a lot of sex at a nursing home. If... That's actually like the second highest population of like HIV. Is and because, just STDs in general. In yeah. general, yeah, because they they're like, oh, we don't have to worry about we're getting old. pregnant, so we're just gonna have all the sex. Yeah. Hey, man, more power to them. Hundred percent. Minus the STD. Yeah. <laughs> Safe sex for everyone. But age shouldn't be a limit on sex. 
I don't want to hear about it when they're, you know, some 80 year olds like, oh, you'll never guess what I did. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be you when you're older. <laughs> That's fair. That, that, it's going to be me. You're going to be like, I don't give a shit. You're going to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> did I ever tell you about the time? <laughs> oh, but so after they're playing, they go up to, to Mr. Bloom and basically ask, why didn't you come too? Uh, and he kind of says, I learned a long time ago that I wanted to be my true age, but keep a young mind. Um, and they all creepily respond, young and fresh mind. Young, fresh mind. Hey, that's, are they zombies? Are they looking for brains? No, it's like a cult. It's cool. Oh. Um, it's not a cult. I, it's a joke. <laughs> Leave the young old people alone. Fresh young minds. And pop. Ah, what are you drinking? Oh, what am I drinking? Uh, this is... Bone-toberfest. Oh. Uh, it's an Oktoberfest. Why is in from Bonesaw Brewing Company? <laughs> um, <laughs> I what, we always we always reference Spider-Man. I swear I to fuck. Bonesaw is ready. <laughs> and it is ready. So this one is in Glassboro, uh, New Jersey. So I actually stopped and got these uh, when we were in Atlantic City like I don't know, a few weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. a weeks ago. I think. A month ago. Delightful little Oktoberfest. Delicious. And another reference to sex. Bonetober. Bonetoberfest. Followed by No Nut November. Uh, fuck that. <laughs> I'm puzzled. I just thought it was November. So it started off with um, no, no shave. shave November as a thing for, because November is the Prostate Cancer Awareness Month. Um, and so with that, then they turned it into, What? I didn't think that was prostate cancer awareness. I thought... I'm pretty sure it is. It has to do something with with men. It's either prostate yeah, or something. Something, um, but it's it's some type of cancer that men can get. Um, Breast cancer. Also can get that, mm-hmm. uh, but I think more specifically a cancer that only men can get. I'm so either prostate right or testicular or something. And um, so whilst they are looking, um, so continuing on with the movie, are you also looking here, Jen? Pancreatic cancer. Pancreatic cancer. Lung cancer. Stomach cancer. Carcinoid cancer. September is prostate cancer. Then what the fuck's the whole thing on November then? I don't know. Here we go on another tangent, folks. Strap in. Please let us know what No Shave November. Yeah, I mean we we don't we don't have time to we don't have time to research it now. I literally thought it was for prostate cancer awareness or something like that. So I am wrong. I mean I don't shave anyway, so there's that. But then the whole No Nut November. Let's throw that one in too, folks. What the fuck's up with that one too? Because I don't know. Because fuck that one. There's just too many babies in August. They said Anne's already here. August is a great month. We don't need to make any more. But I mean, there's a holiday in November. It's called Thanksgiving. So therefore, you should be thankful for nutting. And so therefore, you should be allowed to, you know, have sex and bust a nut on Thanksgiving and be thankful. Hazelnut. It's festive. A walnut. No. Let me know. They're bitter. I don't like them. You're bitter. <laughs> I outbitter the walnut. You outbitter the world. <laughs> Anyways. So, uh <laughs> So he's telling them Oh fuck. Love you, Annie. <laughs> uh, Alright, 
So he's telling them they have their lives ahead of them, basically. And they realize that it might not be so easy. So, like, Mrs. Dempsey is like, oh, but I won't have Jack. I won't have my husband, Jack Dempsey. And then no parents. So they're like, well, you know, you know who's going to take care of us? You know, we're little. Who the heck's going to take care of us? What are we going to do? Mrs. Weinstein, she's great. Yeah. She's like, well, we're going to just knock on the door of our kid's house. And be like, hey. We're your parents. Isn't <laughs> <laughs> that adorable? Oh, Jewish she voice. was adorable. <laughs> Um, and then Mr. Ajit is the only one excited about it, you know, because he's like, oh, yeah, we could have sex again. Well, didn't he also say he wanted to, like, go and perform on Broadway again? Yeah, he's like, I, he have did, I guess so he, many I think options. he did that. Yeah. So he wanted to stay young, and, like, Ann and Jen said, that would be me, because that, yeah, that would be me. I'd be like, let's do it. And then I'd show up at Flynn's doorstep, be like, gotta take care of me. <laughs> Change my debt. No. Oh, no. That, uh, Mr. So it was funny, though, because in this scene, all the other children were. Like, let's say six to eight. Yeah. And then Mr. G, he was like a teenager. Yeah, 12. And, and I think it was probably because, like, that was, like, probably his favorite time. Like, his favorite age. That was going to be my thought. That it, that they, uh, they reverted back to their favorite age. Not necessarily... Like, and then the activities they were talking about. So, climbing trees, mm -hmm. dancing. Yes. Like, dancing isn't necessarily a, a little kid's game. That's something you might want to be a little older mm -hmm. to actually enjoy and understand what you're doing. Yeah, but they were, like, swinging and doing little rhymes and things like that. And Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, so they basically decide okay, I can still be old and dance and do the things that I want, have those fresh young minds, old bodies, fresh young minds. Uh, and they go back to bed. And then Leo wakes up and he freaks out because he sees kids in the beds next to him, which I don't know why they all share the same room anyway. It's a Peter Pan thing. Uh, that's true. That's true. Um, and because then, where does Mr. Riggie go? Out the window. Yes, true. And then little Mr. Weinstein calls him Popsicle Head. <laughs> And then, I don't, did the lights go out? Something, but like when the RN comes in and because he's yelling for the help. The grumpy guy came, or went to go get her. Yeah, Conroy went to go get her and everyone was old. Everybody Except old for Mr. Agee and he's out on the window. He pops up and he's like, hey, Talio. And then Conroy wants to go with him. And yeah, Agi was like, that's impossible. Well, because he missed out. He missed out on the yeah. shot. But then everyone's like, it's going to be okay. You can have a young, fresh mind yep. or some. It's like everybody has their own destiny. Destiny. Uh, density? You density. are my density. <laughs> Back to the future, folks. Back to the future. Uh, I feel like that comes around every episode, too. Um, so the next morning, Mr. Bloom finds uh, Mr. Conroy kicking a can around the yard, uh, having totally changed his outlook on life. Uh, and he leaves Sunnyvale, so he was literally there a fucking day, uh, leaves Sunnyvale for another retirement home, uh, and so he's gonna, whatever type of, you know, magic that he uses, he's going to the next one to do the same thing, uh, and that's really why I fucking loved it, it was such a great little, like, segment, I absolutely loved it, it was very sweet, very not Twilight zone because it ended on that high note, like, Mr. Agee, he's young again, he gets to go experience the world again, but everyone else, they're you know they have the the youthful minds, but they're regular you know modern bodies, and yeah. but they have a better outlook on life. Yeah. And so he's going to do the same thing, and so really that just leaves you with like a little like uh you know no matter how old you get, don't grow up. 
Meanwhile, I don't think Annie liked this segment because of working in nursing homes and... Uh, it, it wasn't so much the working in nursing homes, because this, you know, resembled nothing like any of the nursing homes I've ever worked in. It was uh, more of more of a, I, I would guess, like a, what nursing homes used to be like, where you would go um, into a, like a group home almost. Mm-hmm. Less, less a nursing home, more a group That's home. more what that one was, yeah. yes. I guess it was a little bit heavy-handed i thought Mm -hmm. um and less mysterious which is the thing i think i liked about all the other segments is that you're you're left wondering uh and questioning how did this happen why did it happen what's going to happen next and this settled into sort of i I don't know predictable patterns fairly early on in the episode so uh, no this was probably my least favorite in the movie not because I, I necessarily always like downer movies, but I like there to be more mystery than perhaps this provided. It, well, it's for the simple fact, you, like, you know, you go into Twilight Zone expecting Twilight Zone. Yeah. And this one was more like Hallmark. Right. <laughs> like, it was good. I, like, I, like I said, I loved it, but it was honestly like, what do you expect from like a Hallmark Absolutely. You know, like a, uh, one of those Hallmark Christmas movies yes. that's on right now, folks. Countdown to Christmas. Hard <clears throat> um, no. <laughs> um... But yeah, no, that this that that whole segment, um, particularly at the end, could easily have been swapped out with several nauseating scenes in several of those Hallmark movies. <laughs> Fair enough. So cheery. Fair uh, enough. So to get back into the Twilight Zone movie. <gasps> Yay! Let's hit segment three. It's a good life. Is that what it's called? Yeah, it is. it's a good life, yeah. So Helen Foley and Anthony... Uh, she is a teacher, I believe, and she's kind of in a diner, lost, looking for her way. Because she yeah, has a new job. Yeah. Uh, so she's there trying to find get directions. But guys, we've already met her in another movie, and I just want to call that out. Event um, Horizon. Kathleen Quinlan was in her... Deep vent. Impact. <laughs> yes. Deep Impact. No, she was in Event Horizon, and like... Uh, Mama Bear, right? Mom there. Yeah, yeah. She was also very concerned about children in that movie. Yep. And this is her much younger, um, but... With a much younger kid. Yeah. Instead of Justin, who was Baby Bear, mm-hmm. who was probably oh, early he was 20s. A, he was a man. 20s. Yeah. yeah. He was man. a man. <laughs> held, up his, held up his Bic Razor. I am a man. I'm a man. <laughs> <sighs> uh, so she sees him playing an arcade game. Uh, and is kind of chatting with the owner and creepily hitting he, on her. Very creepily hitting on her. The owner, not the not Anthony. I mean, Anthony kind of later too, but not like in that way. But yes, yeah, so uh, the the guys at the bar are kind of watching a game, what boxing match, and it's going in and out, and uh, so they're blaming the kid for it for playing his his arcade game, whatnot. And they go over and they push this kid down. So she goes over and immediately, like, protects him. Like, hey, that motherly instinct kicks in and says, hey, back the fuck off. So she protects him. And then she ends up going to leave. And when she's backing up, oh, she... Runs over his bike. Fucking the car. hit this little fucker, man. Like, and the thing is, though, if you watch this, there is no, like, pause and, like... You assume that she hit him. No, she. She straight in the fucking movie. She backed her shit into this kid. 
Was it a stunt person? I don't know, but damn. Film safety. Uh, another film safety <laughs> thing. It, like, just flew backwards. Way to use your mirrors there, Helen. She had a free sandwich. She was just trying to get out of there. That's fair. Yeah. So, you, you see a lot of red flags at this point. Uh, so, you know, he he ends up hopping in the car. She offers to take him home. And, you know, oh, it's my birthday. And they don't even care. My, my parents don't even care about me. And so gets to the house and there's a shit ton of broken out cars outside of this house. Mm-hmm. Like, red flag? Anyone? Anyone? I mean, not if not if you just have several broken cars in your yard. I mean, I've seen the norm. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Right. There's a lot of broken down cars. <laughs> have you, though? It's been a while. The, the remake. Oh. Was that Eli Roth's? Did he do the remake? I don't remember. Jessica mm. Beale's in that. Yeah, not the not the original. I've never seen the original, so oh, yes, I have that. not. Anyways, but uh, so they go inside, and the family are watching cartoons, uh, acting weird. She and, says that's like a very strange thing for adults to do. But like they're tense about it. They're like. They turn around with manic rictus grins when he walks. Oh, you're home! Oh, hey hey there, Tony. How you doing, you little motherfucker? <laughs> exactly. They're not from Jersey, John. Oh. Anthony! Welcome home, you little fucker. Because yeah. <laughs> this kid's a little fucker. Pretty much. Um, so they're kind of acting weird, uh, introducing each other whatnot, and... Oh, yeah, you know, we had a little accident with his bike, whatnot, uh, Helen says. They're like, oh, no, an accident? And they get all, like, freaked out, like, an accident? Oh, my God. Are you okay? Are you mad? Yeah, like, worried, like, freaking out. And, like, we're good, we're good. And so they go upstairs to wash up because basically they're like, oh, well, you need to stay for dinner. Oh, please, please stay for dinner. It's You it's- have to stay for dinner, but... You're gonna stay and eat this food, bitch. So he starts to show her around the house. Um, and the family, t- like, nicely takes oh. her coat and her purse. Yeah. And as soon as she gets halfway up the fucking stairs, they start rifling through her shit. They find her pack of cigarettes and what, like, photos or something like that. And they're just going through everything. Steal some cigarettes, start smoking. Yep. So he's showing her around, and there's literally a fucking TV playing cartoons in every single room. Every room. And on the motherly aspect, she actually calls him out for leaving his coat in the hallway. He just, like, throws it off, leaves it in the hallway. And she calls him out, like, hey, are you going to pick that up? You know, very motherly-like. They go into the one room, and you see this girl in a wheelchair watching cartoons. With her back to them. Yeah. Like, oh, that's my sister. She was in an accident. Um, oh, okay, okay. She had an accident. Something Mm. like that. And then the camera spins, so Helen can't see this bit, but the camera spins, and uh, I I want to say her name was Sarah, but she doesn't have a fucking mouth. Like, there's everything, but just just skin. There's no mouth to her at all. Nope, and she looks fucking terrified. Scary cartoon? Can't eat sandwiches with no mouth. (laughs) (laughs) No Quiznos. (laughs) No, not only the, the only the enemas of Jimmy John's. Oh no! Not again. Uh. What? Uh, so then he the, he gets back downstairs and he announces that it's time for dinner. 
end weirdly again they're like oh yes uh, of course dinner dinner where's dinner again honey the mom yeah like in, in the oven where it always is oh oh yeah right right I forgot and so she brings out this whole feast of like junk food basically it's ice cream there's candy there's candy apples potato chips A burger there's with burgers butter. topped with peanut butter which sounds fucking amazing they're not gonna hear the fucking amazing if you whisper it like that fucking amazing burgers with peanut butter everyone had turned their volume up and then leaped back screaming <laughs> i hope so I, I i just a little bit of me is like please did that <laughs> They, like, um, I did like, it again. What is he saying? Why is he saying, <gasps> why is he saying it so softly? And then boom. Um, and, and she also calls out like, well, this isn't healthy eating. This you is can't... an unconventional diet. Bitch, you're a guest in the house. Shut up. And you can't like, eat like looks... this all the time, do you? Anthony looks, like everyone looks at Anthony rather. And he's like, oh yeah, you're right. She's like, oh, silly me, it's your birthday. Yep. And then... You know, it comes as sort of a surprise. Your birthday again, like... Yeah, the sister, um, Ethel. Yeah. Yeah, and he, so he gives her this really shitty look, like... And then a plate just flies out of her fucking hands. I was like, rude? She threw her food down. Like, rude. Fucking Ethel. But yeah, he kind of makes a comment, too, like, Oh, well, you guys never tell me that. Like, why wouldn't you actually tell me that? Like, that, like, hey, this isn't healthy eating or things like that. Like, they would never tell me. Well, because they're probably terrified. Well, yeah, they're terrified. They're not actually going to be worried about his well-being. Yeah, when he's not worried about theirs. Mm-hmm. So at this point, Helen tries to leave. And Anthony tries to get her to stay and see Uncle Walt's magic trick. Which is pretty good. He's going to pull a rabbit from his hat that mm-hmm. magically appeared on uh, top of the TV. And so he's very nervous is what like would be in the hat. Uh, and he pulls out. A rabbit! Yay! She's still trying to leave. Uh, He's like, wait! And Anthony's like, encore! And so he does it again. And this giant fucking mutant rabbit just comes out of the hat. Fucking terrifying. And so Helen, you know, varies like, I'm out! And tries to run. Her purse spills all over the place. Uh, And then with that, Anthony finds a note that one of the family members put in there. And it says, help us, Anthony is a monster. And then they all blame Ethel. And she tries to even open the door and there's like a giant eyeball. Something, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's no, nothing where she can run. There's a giant eyeball staring at her. But yeah, they blame poor Ethel. Well, kind of poor Ethel. Like, yeah, but she she's the sassy one. She's just over this. I mean, she yeah, probably she's, came yeah. over to babysit or just walk Anthony home out of mm-hmm. the goodness of her heart and got trapped in this house. Yep. She's fed up with it. She's not like an adult... I don't know with the the filter. No, no, she's not. She she's just like you said. She's done. She's not trying to protect herself anymore. She just wants the yeah, shit out. Right. She's done. and that's when she tells Helen that none of them are Anthony's real relatives. Uh, he here. brought them there to be his surrogate family after he killed his parents, and that is the same thing he's presumably doing with Helen. Um, and because uh, he she wrote the note, Anthony sends her off the Cartoon World. Into the TV set, and then she gets eaten by a fucking monster. Yep. In the cartoon. Crocodile. Yeah, it was. Yes, yeah. (laughs) And it licks its lips in a creepy fashion. Like the old school cartoony fashion. Yeah, absolutely. I hope it had an Australian accent, too. 
I mean, I don't know if it did. Crocky. Random thought, but okay. Uh, <laughs> 20 tunnels in my brain going at once, so. Uh, so, Anthony then vents his frustration. At everyone's afraid of him. And it's just like, well, likely so, dude. You're an asshole. Uh, then he makes the entire house just completely vanish. And it's just him and Helen outside well, the... the TV set breaks in half first, <laughs> and then it's like a Tasmanian devil. Yeah, um, yeah. Like, another opportunity for puppetry, which... Annie hates I don't puppets. Enjoy, don't like uh, so they t- he takes them totally out of like the plane of existence at all. Like there's no, like the physical plane of existence is gone. It's just them. Uh, and then he says he sent his family back where they came from since they didn't want to be with him, or where they wanted to be. Something like that. Yeah. Something creepy. Where so you're it's not just like, exactly. You're like, sure. are they safe or are they fucking dead? Right. Like. Hmm. So at this point, Helen realizes kind of what she's up against and basically sees his power. And sees that she can be kind of a teacher, a motherly figure to him. And offers, well, let me, you have this power. Let me teach you and we can work on it together. And you can teach me. Yeah, like... and you can teach me, yes. So, you know, I think it's kind of a mutual thing. Like, she kind of sees a benefit in it too. And then also realizes, like, okay, this is a young mind that actually needs molded. And then Yoda pops in and he sensed in Anthony much fear. And then Helen said, now listen here, you stick it in your pointy ear, I'm still going to train this boy. And that's how he became the new Darth Vader, right? That's what happened? I'm trying to remember this version of the movie, and I'm not. They they get in the car. Yoda was in the backseat. Which turns into the Millennium Falcon. Okay, okay, that tracks. Yoda was in the backseat, and he's like, much fear I sense in this one. That that tracks, that tracks. (laughs) So they drive off, and then, like, this barren-ass landscape this just turns into meadows filled with flowers uh, as the car drives past. And I feel like she says something at this point, like, ah, you really shouldn't be showing your powers, like, that much. Like, you should reserve what? it. But, like, he wanted to make something pretty for her. So. What did she say? It was right when they were getting in the car that some she did something, and she's like, oh, let's not do that all the time. Yeah, she was like, I'm going to yeah. smother you in your sleep tonight. Wow. Does right. he sleep? Is he? Your I, I don't child? think I don't. I don't know. They 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 never that that would actually be like a part two. Like, is this kid like what happened? Like, like what's going on? Nineteen eighty three. What's going on? Like, where is this kid now? Where is she now? And is he even a human? Does he have special powers? Is he what? a Jedi? Is he a Sith? Is he a Dalek in disguise? I Cyberman. I don't know. We'll never know. No, it's a mystery. But that was the end of that skit. Also kind of ending up on a positive note, although there was still mystery, so I liked it better than the... I didn't really enjoy that one. That kid needed smacked. Well, you don't don't always like creepy children in movies. Generally speaking, I don't. Although you picked one of our other movies that I think we still need to talk about. For the next... For for our next one, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That has a creepy child. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to pin John down, folks. I don't let anybody pin me down. There we go. I pin everybody down. <laughs> Can confirm. Uh, <laughs> anyways, <laughs> our next segment, our final segment, is the most classic. The Nightmare at 20,000 Feet. Yes. Uh, one of the very classic Twilight Zone episodes, the original, featuring uh, Kirk himself. 
Um, There's something. Oh, but he doesn't actually talk like yeah. that. Hey, hey, oh, he fucking talks like that. He, There's someone on the wing. That's from Family Guy, John. No. I'm pretty sure he is. That is how he... That's how Shatner talks. Listen to his cover of Rocket Man. I'm a Rocket Man. I'm sure that was purposefully done that way. But, yes, William Shatner. But this one is not William Shatner. No, this is the remake of that skit, that episode. And it is John Lithgow. John Valentine in the movie. Who did not go to space recently. William Shatner did. William Shatner did go to space recently. Yeah. He did? He did. Oh, well, that's nifty. Yeah. He's like 90. Oh, you know what? I did think I, I saw something like that there where they knew he would do well because with Star Trek, he actually had to uh, endure some like space training. Well, I mean, flying into space just into the orbit of Earth has nothing compared to flying all over the next frontier. The final frontier? No, the next frontier. Oh, okay, the next one. Got it. Yeah. Okay. I'm sure this is killing Annie right now. I'm dying. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm dead. I totally did it on purpose because I wanted to see your face and I was not disappointed. Oh, guys, I, I cannot keep secrets and I can't lie with my face. She really hates Star Trek. That's the, that's the secret oh, that she's that, letting out that's now. That's not the secret. No. Anyway, so John Lithgow is already in the bathroom of this airplane hyperventilating fucking a, panic attack having a bad trip not a trip just a panic attack well you don't know what he took before he got on that plane that's fair he does bad see some shit flight and then he's offered drugs at some other point drugs Dr- drugs drugs drugs, drugs? <laughs> that puppy <laughs> anyway so uh but he's offered uh, i think something from the stewardess at some point she's like i'm not really supposed to do this but would you like the job. no oh i mean that would probably calm him calm him the fuck down though <laughs> you just either want to go get a sandwich or fall asleep so who doesn't always want to get a sandwich i don't know anyway so he is offered drugs at some point on the plane trip and he's like he says no thank you at first but then he takes them so you don't know if he's having a bad trip or uh, a bad trip squared at the beginning well the end of the segment proves that he was not having a bad trip i mean bad trip yes but not a psychedelic trip yeah, maybe. I think I would. So they right. coax him back to his seat. Come here, John. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Good boy. Good boy. John Valentine in this one. Uh, and so he looks out his window thinking like, oh, maybe I'll, you know, maybe this will kind of calm me down. Just zoning out. And it doesn't calm him down. Because he sees some fucking thing on the wing of the plane. At this point, I don't, I don't think it's doing anything yet but it's just on the wing of the plane i don't know if he just catches a um a quick glimpse of it like moving like he sees like almost like just the shadow a silhouette of a humanoid thing moving out on the wing but like his overacting is great here he's like he's sitting in his seat and he's like looking bug-eyed out the window and then he thinks he sees something this little gremlin thing he's like oh and he gets up like real close to the window like that's gonna help and and then gets this has another severe fucking panic attack. Uh, and then he watches this thing just like now it starts like just wreaking havoc on the wing, and it's like throwing bits of debris into one of the fucking engines, and the engine starts to flame out. But yeah, so he's freaking out. The people sweating. around him, oh, super sweaty. Uh, the people around him are looking at him like, what the fuck? 
Like, there's one dude in front of him that, that's freaking out. Uh, they eventually come sit with him and try to talk with him. Um, even the captain comes out and tries to sit with him and talk with him. Uh, and he said, well, one of the engines is out. The captain, How did you know? The captain basically confirms, like, yeah, our one engine's out. But, like, the likelihood of the three other ones is very, very low. Yep. So we're fine. But how would he know that? Um, anyways, so the the captain basically confirms his fucking fears that, oh, yeah, one of them actually is out. Uh, we probably had a seagull or something. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Miriam. Miriam. Miriam is one of our NPCs, our regulars in uh, D&D. She's a seagull that only one of our characters, the druid, can actually understand. <laughs> anyway, so, you know, he's trying to calm down whatnot. People around him are really leery of him. And he keeps looking out and seeing this fucking gremlin fucking with him. And there's a creepy little girl on the plane, too, who keeps staring with at him. Doll, with a doll! With a fucking puppet, man! Yeah! Or ventriloquist. Oh, ventriloquist, yeah, okay. The ventriloquist dummy. We know how much Jen loves dolls, uh, so. Yeah. But this little, like, I mean, she's just, like, fucking with him, though. Like, she's literally screwing with this dude, like. Meanwhile, her mom's, like, passed out. Well, her mom is on some shit, dude. Oh, yeah. Like, whatever he gets offered, she's had eight of them by this point. <laughs> uh, so then, um, after another one of his mini freaks out, I think it's this point that, isn't this when he, like, tries to, like, smash the window? He grabs, like, the oxygen canister or something like that. Yeah. And he tries to smash the fucking window open. And but he's wrestled to ground by the one fat guy that the little girl was sitting next to earlier. Who happens to be a, a marshal. He's a sky marshal. Decides to grab his gun and shoot out the window. Which, you know, I mean, that happens. Uh, and then it causes the cabin pressure to breach. And shit starts getting sucked out. And he's, what, out, like, up to, like, his, like, his nipples. Yeah, he's like sucked um, out of the window partially while they're holding on to the back end. The sky marshal's holding on to him, I think. And, but so, and he has the gun though, so he starts firing at the gremlin, which obviously catches it. You know, catches the attention of it, and it like rushes over to him, and it bites the gun in half. Which at this point, Valentine's, you know, he's thinking like, "Fuck!" Oh. <laughs> like, um. Well, and then it, it, it's it does this little thing where it grabs his face and you can see all this like slime and mucus and whatnot on his hand and even at this point like you can kind of even see like little frozen bits which i kind of like that little yeah. detail because they're up high at this point they're already trying to make an emergency landing so they're already landing at this point yeah, yeah they're they're on their way and, <laughs> and then it whole i love it 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 sees that oh shit we're landing and then after grabbing his face, it pulls his hand back and shakes his it, well, like, it fucking scolds him. Like, no, no, no. You ruined my fucking fun, you son of a bitch. Exactly. <laughs> and it just, like, leaps off into the sky and just flies away. And the plane begins its emergency landing. Uh, so it's on the ground. And there's all the different, you know, fire department, EMT, police, the crew and the passengers. And they're all just like, this dude's fucking insane and they're rolling away you see them rolling him away in the stretcher basically and he's in a straight jacket on the stretcher yes and then you see kind of in the background like oh yeah like get the engineers up there we gotta see what's happening and they look and they see all these fucking claw marks on yep. there they see where everything was ripped apart and they're like what the fuck was going on so this kind of validates that like hey something was actually fucking with this plane 
So and then it shows Valentine in an ambulance, you know, just, you know, starting to drive away, and then uh, the uh, driver turns around to Valentine and he's like, "Heard you had a big scare up there, huh? Want to see something really scary?" And it's fucking Dan Aykroyd again. Yep. And then cue the credits and cue Midnight Special. <laughs> and what a, what a great end of the movie though that was a lot of like that was fun i liked like it, how it tied it back to yes. the beginning um i didn't i don't think dan Aykroyd would have been able to eat his face though like he would have had to pull over mm-hmm. get out yes overpower the person the other the actual emt the that was there EMT yes. that was in <clears throat> the ambulance with him as a panther monster he would have been able to um <laughs> But like, how would he have surprised? Like, how would he have pulled over, gotten out, and said, you know, okay, you ready to see something real scary? And then walked around the back, then opened the doors. Yes. As his weird panther monster self. Yes. I'm just, I'm trying to visualize. I, I mean, that's the thing, though. Like, it just leaves it open the fact that he's still going, and he still wants to show people something really scary. But like, why was he hurt as a child that he like has to? He's a monster. But, like, I don't know, most people don't, like, give the app. Do you want it? Like, what if he had said no? Well, then he would have kept driving. Oh. Yeah. You have to be inquisitive and be like, sure. And then he's like, oh, they're interested. Uh-huh. Like, yeah. That's the trick. Don't fucking be interested when people say, you want to do something really scary? But the answer is no. You did see the panic on, on John's face. Like, I mean, oh, shit. What? Yeah. <laughs> well, he was already in a straight jacket, so he's already had a fucked up night anyway. It he, seems like... I don't know, counterintuitive. You want to keep the people alive who might be interested in seeing something really scary That's and fair. then just eat the unsuspecting victims. I think we're thinking too much into this. Well, if I were you, you guys, You guys both honestly are, but it's, it's not, fun. I'm not. I, you said we, so now you're part of it. Uh, <laughs> all right, uh, so we hope you guys enjoyed another episode. This is a little bit of a shorter episode, uh, but it's okay. It, it's, you know, it's a, when it comes to anthology movies, you get through some of them quicker, you get through some of them, you know, faster. It just, you know, that's the same thing. That's, that's redundant. It's quicker and slower, just depending on, you know, how in-depth the movies are of each of the anthologies. So enjoy some CCR uh, tonight, folks. Let the midnight special shine its light on you. Um, Thanks again for listening. What? Wait, John. What are we watching the next time? I was going to get into that. Oh. I was going to say, follow up with our next episode, episode five, with my choice, the boy. Creepy children. Ah! ah. <laughs> creepy, doll, creepy doll children. So, like, it really hits both of our creep out factors. I love that movie. It's a great movie. That's why. So, but you guys know why I picked it. On our next episode, you guys are going to have a lot of fun. So, thank you for listening. I am John. I'm Jen. I'm still grumpy. I don't have a sandwich. (laughs) So she's still grumpy because she has a sandwich. Be kind. Rewind, everybody. Bye. Bye.